This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Look, the odds are against Micah Parsons because he's not a quarterback, right? But I tell you, he is off to a fantastic, fantastic start. Just goes to show you, do you remember the only guy not a quarterback or who the, who the last non-quarterback was to be named league MVP? Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson. They're actually in the last 20 years. There were three non-quarterbacks to be named league MVP, and they were all running backs. Adrian Peterson, LaDainian Tomlinson, and Sean Alexander. Remember Sean Alexander from the Seattle Seahawks, right? So those are the only three, and boy, if it's going to be a defensive player. That's why, you know, that's why with these Fugazi Awards at the end of the season, they kind of spread the wealth a little bit. That's why they come up. Like, I don't understand, like, they have an, an Offensive Player of the Year award. I never understood that one because, you know, let's, Patrick Mahomes won the MVP last year, right? But he wasn't the Offensive Player of the Year. But wait a sec. Patrick Mahomes is an offensive player, right? So if he's the MVP of the league, then why isn't he also the offensive player of the league? No, it's because the MVP usually goes to a quarterback, and then they'll give the offensive player of the year award to generally a non-quarterback just to make sure that other people are getting recognized for their achievements on the football field. That's all it is. It's a popularity contest more than anything else. But if you're a Giant fan, good Sunday for you, even though it looked murky there for a little bit. You did what you had to do. You won a football game. You essentially saved your season. And now it's on to San Francisco on a short week. Barkley's not going to play on Thursday, and I guess it could have been a heck of a lot worse with that ankle. But maybe a couple of weeks rest, and then he's going to be good to go for what amounts to be still a heavy part of his schedule because it doesn't get any easier after San Francisco because you got Seattle coming in on a Monday night. Then you got to go to Miami. You got to go to Buffalo, which are not going to be easy. First six games for the Giants, as I said earlier in the show, those things are shaping up to be even more challenging than what the Jets' first six games were on paper when the season began. And look, the Jets, it was bad yesterday. You got to flush it. You got to move on. You still got everything in front of you. This one, this Sunday at MetLife Stadium is way, way more significant than what yesterday's game was. It's a division opponent. You could go to 2-0 and in the division. You can improve to 2-1. and You could snap that long losing streak that you have to the New England Patriots. And more importantly, you could almost bury them because if they're going to start 0-3, for all intents and purposes, their season is going to be over. But there's a heck of a lot of things that they have to get corrected before you talk about beating the New England Patriots because yesterday's performance was sloppy on so many levels. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let us say hi to Robbie in Long Island, up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Robbie, how are you? Good. How are you doing tonight? Good, Robbie. What's going on? So, um, for one, I've got an issue with, with the Jets team all over, all over their whole team. They got completely outcoached yesterday mm-hmm. on offense and defense. Um, I'm not sure why they didn't have Sauce lining up on C.D. Lamb basically at all, especially when the guy had 100 yards in the first half. It's like they weren't even trying to slow him down or anything. I remember. Oh, because they, they don't, they don't play man-to-man defense. We uh, talked about yeah, that. Well, yes, but, but you would think they would try to make some type of adjustment to, to have their best guy over near that guy, and it wasn't even, like, remotely close. But regardless of all of that, I, I don't understand why the Jets haven't signed another backup quarterback um, to at least get to learning the playbook because you have to know 
Zach Wilson is not going to last this season. Like you, you, you could lie to the public and try to, you know, get momentum and, and give the kids some, some confidence all you want, but they have to know deep down this kid is not going to last more than four weeks or so. And you need somebody in there learning the playbook because you can't have Boyle come in and play quarterback and someone else is going to come in there and play. He's not going to last. He's not an NFL quarterback. He's, well, he's I mean, that's, this. that. well, Robbie, it's strong to say that he's not an NFL quarterback, but, but, but think well, about the, it, what the you're guy saying. Was the number two overall pick and he's been since drafted the worst quarterback in the league. Like, well, you know, that's no, according no to the growth. metrics. Right. But, but Robbie, let me ask you a question. A guy who right now is not on any of the 32 rosters, when you say sign a quarterback, would you mean to tell me that in three weeks, four weeks, whatever it is, that that person, whoever it might be, who's out on the street right now doing whatever it is he's doing, that guy is supposedly going to come in here and save the Jets' season and get them to the playoffs not, any better than Zach Wilson could? not necessarily save, but you could have a guy just not play awful. I mean, Zach Wilson, 90% of the time, is hurting the team out there. He's not... He's not. I remember the game against the Patriots last year in the second half. He averaged two inches of play. Right. For the whole it was awful half. last like, year. But, know, but, but, but it's, it's did you awful. watch the game yesterday? Oh yeah, yeah. I watched. Was, it. Was Zach Wilson the number one reason why they lost that Absolutely game yesterday? Absolutely not. He was no. not. He was not the problem at all. But he was not. He was not helping. Before that huge pass to Garrett Wilson, he had nine passing yards. You know, like it. It just wasn't. He he had one kind of drive at the end of the second half where he had a couple good scrambles, and that was that was it. But, you know, he had. Two awful interceptions. One of them was at the end of the game where he was just heaving it up, and I can't really you know, blame him for just trying to make something happen for that one. But the other two right. were awful reads, completely off target. Uh, Carter stopped where he was supposed to, and he just kept throwing it like if Wilson didn't know the route. Um, it, it's just the, the guy's not learning. It's 25, 26 career but how games, do we know averages. That that, but that last one, Rob, how do we know that that was on Zach Wilson and it wasn't on Michael Carter where the miscommunication well, it, it was? It looked like, it, it looked like a normal a – normal, uh, uh, what is the name of the route? Um, uh, a wheel? Is that what? Is that what a I'm thinking about? A wheel route? Yeah, whatever. when the back comes out yeah, of the backfield. Yeah, that looks like exactly what he was supposed to run, and that's a, that's a, a normal play right there in that scenario. It didn't look like something that should have kept going. And, yeah, again, uh, maybe I could be wrong. Maybe I could. Yeah, be wrong. We, I mean, no, Robbie, I'm not saying you're right or you're wrong. We we don't know. I mean, they might, it might have been called to cut the route in half. We'll see. And I and I thank yeah. you for the phone call. Here here's the other here's the thing about it though, right? When you think about it, and you know. He was talking about before the Garrett Wilson play, Zach Wilson only had like nine yards passing. Well, Jets might not have even had nine plays of offense before <laughs> that point either. I mean, Robert Sala even said it today at his press conference. Do you realize at one point in the game yesterday, the Cowboys had 50 plays on offense? You know how many the Jets had? They had 13. So, you know, blame whoever you want to blame. But to me, if you're going to throw that number in my face and if you watch the game, how can you or how can you deduce from that that it's Zach Wilson's fault when the other team is outplaying you? Meaning like number of plays, 50 to 13. Unless you're scoring a touchdown on all 13 of your plays, how the hell are you in that game? And if your defense is on the field that much time, don't you think that they're sucking wind? I don't care how many guys you shuttle in and out of the lineup. And you saw it take their toll on. I mean, look at some. I I talked about it yesterday on the postgame show. I mean, look at the number of the or, or the length of these drives that the Cowboys had yesterday right from the get go. First first drive of the game. 12 plays, 75 yards. They almost went the entire length of the field. Next drive, 14 plays, 78 yards. Third scoring drive, 13 plays, 75 yards. Should I keep going? 12 plays, 
55 yards. Fourth quarter, 12 plays, 71 yards. That is a lot of toll to put on a defense. The Cowboys were basically out there just like picking and choosing whatever they wanted to do. If there's one unit that probably isn't sleeping very well tonight and all week and probably wants next week's game to get here like tomorrow, it's that defense. they got to be better. But as far as a guy who right now is on the street, you can, even if, you know, with the name that people are just throwing out there is Colt McCoy, Colt McCoy, you're not going to tell me that Colt McCoy is going to come in here and give the Jets a better chance to win than Zach Wilson. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because you're going to then try to convince me that a guy – in a quarterback-driven league, in a league that essentially will keep criminals on their roster if they possess any sort of talent that will help said team win any type of a game. You mean to tell me that not one of the 32 teams in the NFL thinks that Colt McCoy can help them win games, which is why he's out on the street right now, and that that guy's going to come in here and, and give the Jets a better chance to win than Zach Wilson? Not buying it. TJ in the car on 98.7 ESPN is up next. TJ, how you doing? Hey, Dan. Big shout-out to the company. How are you doing tonight? What's up, TJ? How's things? All right. Um, so, real quick before I get to my Giants point, um, you yeah. mentioned the three defensive players that won an MVP. Do you know there's one other non-offensive player to win an MVP award? Well, it's two defensive players, as a matter of fact. It's just oh. two. We said Ray, okay, okay. You know Ray, yeah, Ray Lewis was, didn't win it. I was mistaken, yeah. Okay, all right, all right. So do you know the other guy who was not an offensive player to win it? Yeah, Mark Mosley during the strike Mosley, shooting I know, season, right? a kicker. But yeah. How crazy is that a kicker won an MVP for in, the, in football? Because <laughs> the season was only, uh, what, so. six, seven games or whatever it was the regular season? Yeah, yeah. 82. Yeah, still a kicker. Yeah, I know. Um, but anyway, so on, on to the Giants. Um, so they had a Zudu there second-year backup left guard play left tackle yesterday, and he played okay. And for yep. a guy who had never played left tackle in the NFL before, never played tackle at all, and only 14 times in, ever in his football life to play tackle and hold up in an NFL game, I wonder how – I know left and right are different. That it definitely is a thing. But I wonder how he would hold up at right tackle. And from what – I, you know, I'm no – Obviously, no NFL expert on offensive line, but from what I've read um, and listened to on podcasts and whatnot, that one of Neil's biggest problems is he has slow feet, um, which a lot of people think he might be a better guard. I wonder if the Giants are going to, at some point, consider having Azudu play right tackle and, and moving Neil to guard, which might solve two of their offensive line positions, you know, two of their biggest problems on the team. And they're both just okay. And the Giants' offensive line is okay. That is a huge upgrade for them. Yeah, it's interesting, and, and I don't know the answer to that question, but it is possible. I mean, look at a guy like Elijah Vera Tucker on the Jets' offensive line, right? He was somebody that they kicked out to tackle. He played both tackle positions, as a matter of fact, because he was the best option that they had. So maybe that's something they look to explore. Right, yeah. Neil's got to be better. Neil's got to be better. Yeah. And, you know, not only that, you know, I, I said even before the season started, if you're the Giants – both of your first-round picks from last year, not just Evan Neal, but even Thibodeau. Yeah. You need more Thibodeau. from these guys in year two. Absolutely. And just an example of a guy who played guard and moved to tackle and had a had an impact on a team. Um, David Deal was a guard for the Giants in 07. 
yep. which to tackle. I forget who got hurt. And he was their starting tackle for both of those Super Bowl victories. And he was never great, but he was serviceable, and he kept Eli up, and that's all you need out of a position. So it's not like there wasn't precedent for it before. And, and, I mean, God, Neil is just bad. I mean, not only does he give up sacks for penalties, and, and they have to do something about it, and maybe Azudu is the answer for that. It, you know, it can't, can't get any worse than Neil at this point. No, and, and I'll tell you what, and TJ, thanks a lot for the phone call. And, I mean, this is lofty, lofty comparisons. Once upon a time, the Hall of Famer, remember Jonathan Ogden with the uh, Baltimore Ravens, he played left guard his rookie year before he kicked out the tackle. I want to say who was playing tackle his rookie year because they had to, was it Tony Jones who was the left tackle? Maybe. I, I don't remember. But, yeah, so they had to kind of uh, bide his time before he was able to get on out there. So, yeah, I mean, look, with the Giants – Azudu did a nice job yesterday in a pinch starting at left tackle. But then the problem that they ran into is that Glowinski, who got benched yesterday at right guard, right, he was benched for the rookie, or not the rookie, the, the, the second-year uh, player who really hasn't played, so he's essentially a rookie. Bredesen got concussed in the third quarter, had to leave the game, so then Glowinski had to come in off the bench. It's like, hey, we don't think you're good enough to start, but because your other guard goes down, he's got to come off the bench and goes and plays left guard in that game yesterday. A lot of moving parts, and that's why, again, you give him credit because in the second half of that game, when they were doing all these musical chairs with the offensive line, ironically enough, that's when the offense started to pick up production, and they were able to mount that comeback. 800-919-3776, but... Um, I mean, look, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news here for the Giants, and I think that anybody who watches football knows this. You know, you might have been able to get away with that yesterday against Arizona. Um, you're going up against arguably maybe the best front seven in the NFL on Thursday. Yeah, that that's going to be a little bit tougher. More of your phone calls. We're going around the league as well coming up at about 8.30. Grassa, overreaction Monday, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. What's the weather supposed to be like for Sunday? Do we have that information handy? Is it supposed to be nice? Because, look, I said I would try to stop by, even though I'm there working. I'm doing my thing, of course. But, you know, I, I, I want to see everybody. I want to see our people, our, our listeners and everything. But, you know, you want it to be a nice day because that adds to the tailgate. Let's see. Sunday. Sun oh, boy. Sunday, overcast with rain showers at times, high of 73. <laughs> oh, wonderful. That's great. Uh, maybe it would be nice in the morning, at least, for the tailgate. But just going to complicate things uh, when it comes to the actual game itself, which the Jets have to win against these New England Patriots. Uh, let us say hi to, up next, Jose in Brooklyn. He's up next here on 98.7. Jose, how the hell are we doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing a little bit better today, Dan. Uh, hello, everyone, and shout out to the company. I definitely wanted to talk because I was listening, you know, finishing up work, then on the commute back home, train ride and everything, and just finally got home to relax. And why not call and talk today? Of course. What else would you be doing? Of course. It's part of the ritual. So here's, you know, the thing. here's part of, you know, my daily appointments with, you know, ESPN New York. Yes. Um, the Jets, it, 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 it really baffles me because I'm not going to be surprised if the Jet defense bounced back. I'm not going to be surprised if the Jets running game 
and the offensive line provides, you know, open space for them. What I will be surprised is, is if Zach Wilson takes this step forward and, you know, and finally shows some, you know, potential to where nearly his draft stock is available. Right. And that and that's kind of where my overall big concern is because it's just like I want to know whose decision it was for someone for this organization to be dead set on Zach Wilson being the backup even after we got Aaron Rodgers. I like 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 that 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 cuz that to me is perplexing and it's why we're in the position we're in. And at the end of the day, you know, yes, it is, you know, who could have thought that a 40-year-old football player could have gotten could have could have gotten hurt in the most violent game ever? Like, come on. I am not going to play this game because but we Jose, all Jose, that Jose, let me say one thing. And more I, things. Jose, let me, I'll let you finish. Let me just say one thing, mm-hmm. though, to not just you, but to everybody out there about, like, the thought process. And I've said this many times. You never go into a season thinking your starting quarterback is going to get hurt. That's number one. Yes, Rodgers is almost 40, but I just want to remind everybody, eight of the last nine years, so essentially his entire 30s, his decade of the 30s as an NFL player, eight of the last nine years, he played every single game. So you can't say he's injury prone. You know what I mean? Like it was a fluke thing. Uh, no, that I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna say he's injury prone. But to say that, to say that there was no that there there's no no contingency plan. You know, you, you show me a person without a contingency plan, I'll show you a person that's very unorganized. And it's just like you know, like any person who any person with a thought process who has lived a, a long life of experience knows that you have to have at least some type of backup plan, not hoping that uh, off season with Aaron Rodgers and the tutelage and everything else that comes along with this propaganda nonsense. And this is why it, 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 it reeks of Woody Johnson, because mm. only he would believe his own narrative that he sends out to think to think that we're going to fall for this. And this is why I'm frustrated. It's annoying. I hope that they win. I'm kind of hoping that the season's not over, but Dan, if they don't win this game, I don't know. I, I don't know what, what, what other games are, are on their schedule. Oh, they're gonna uh, Jose, look, Jose, I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you tall tales. That's not what I'm doing. And I know how you feel about Zach. You and I have talked for, for years about it. And I, look, I'm going to sit here and tell you the truth. If they can't beat the New England Patriots, and I don't care that Aaron Rodgers ain't there, if they can't beat the New England Patriots now, when the hell are they ever going to beat the New England Patriots? And then in, in turn, who else can you expect them to beat if they can't find a way to beat this New England team again? Right? And and yeah. so I'm hoping and like like I even I even joked with the company uh, uh, just signing off. I even joked with the company saying that like you know I, I'm definitely going to be at the tailgate. So I hopefully I'll see you guys there. Um, but I, I I really doubt that I'm going to I'm going to try to call in for the contest as well because I'm not really spending a lot of harder money to see Zach Wilson aggravate me and frustrate me more a lot a lot in live in person at the stadium. Jose, <laughs> I don't it's not good for your health. Exactly. I appreciate it. And I thank you for the phone call. He, here's the thing about the backup quarterback thing. It's like, you know, how could they go into the season with Zach Wilson? Let me look guys, this team had championship aspirations, right? I didn't buy into the whole Super Bowl or bust thing, but some people did. 
right? All those hot take shows that they have on TV and on the radio, you know, like just to, to, to get the needle moving, Super Bowl or bust for the Jets. I didn't believe that. I didn't buy into that. I wasn't going there. For a team that hadn't made the playoffs for 12 years, it's not fair to say Super Bowl or bust just because you got a future Hall of Famer as your quarterback. But I will ask this question to the entire class right now. What team in the NFL, for those of you on the how can you go into a season with Zach Wilson as your backup quarterback, what team in the NFL right now has a backup quarterback that you can win a championship with? Tell me. And if you even want to go back to history, we'll play that game as well. Okay, 1990, Jeff Hostetler took over for an injured Phil Simms and won Super Bowl XXV for the Giants. He took over with essentially one game left in the regular season, so he only had to win four games. The three, you know, the two playoff games, the Super Bowl, the la- all right. Granted, they were big games, but do we know if the Giants would have won a Super Bowl in 1990 if Hosteller was the guy for the entire year? Remember, the next year they gave him the starting quarterback job. Granted, Ray Hanley was the head coach, but they weren't a playoff team. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl as the backup for the Eagles when Carson Wentz went down. Nick Foles again took over late in the season. And had a championship-caliber team. Do we know if the Eagles would have won a Super Bowl if Nick Foles was the, was the quarterback from week one? Because I can remember some other stops with Nick Foles as the quarterback from week one, and those teams didn't win Super Bowls. You know, so uh, Tom Brady, the great Tom Brady, and the greatest coach of all time, supposedly, right? What happened in 2008 when Tom Brady went down first week of the season? A la Allen, Aaron, I was going to call him Allen, a la Aaron Rodgers. Patriots had a decent year, but they didn't even make the playoffs. And how could the Patriots and Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time, go into a season with Matt Castle as his backup quarterback? He did. Because you don't plan on a guy like Brady or any starting quarterback getting hurt. This is not the days where the economics of the NFL were different, where you can have Joe Montana as your quarterback and Steve Young as your backup. You can't keep two Hall of Famers on your depth chart. Don't work like that anymore, right? It doesn't. But all those examples I gave you, it's not like you're talking about a guy who just walked in there on week one and then piloted a team for the entire season. All right, I'll give you one exception that I just thought of. Kurt Warner, okay? But nobody knew what Kurt Warner was at the time. Nobody knew that they had a Hall of Famer sitting there on the bench when Trent Green went down for the Rams. Nobody knew that Tom Brady was Tom Brady when he came off. He was a sixth-round pick who was essentially inactive his rookie year, right? Those are the only two. So you're not going to find some guy around the NFL who's essentially a journeyman or not on a roster who's going to be there holding a clipboard and is going to come in and help you win a Super Bowl. If you're starting quarterback, and in this case a Hall of Famer and one of the best to ever do it, goes down, your season is essentially screwed. All those Lombardi dreams are gone. Doesn't mean you still can't have a good season, but you're probably not going to be having that parade down the Canyon of Heroes. 800-919-3776. We'll go around the league when we come back, plus your phone calls. Grass until the top of the hour, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Here's your last five Super Bowl champions and the backup quarterbacks on each. Chad Henney, John Wolford, Blaine Gabbert, Matt Moore, Brian Hoyer. 
Now, boys and girls, if any one of those gentlemen had to play significant snaps for said team, do you think that they would have been Super Bowl champions? No. Starting quarterbacks on those teams, Patrick Mahomes, Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, and Tom Brady. Stop. Stop. Bad luck happened four plays into the season. Nothing more, nothing less. You could survive maybe a two- or three-week injury. Nobody plans for your starting quarterback to get knocked out four plays into the season. Anyway, let's go around the league real quick here before we get back to the phones. Dolphins improved to 2-0. They send the Pats to 0-2. They go into Foxborough 24-17. Two is 5-0 against the Patriots. He's never lost to them. Dolphins ran it well last night with Raheem Mostert. Patriots, you had the big fumble by Douglas. They threw the INT in the second half, killing a couple of promising drives. Pats will be here next week to take on the Jets. How about Washington? They're 2-0, sending Denver to 0-2. This game ended while we were in the postgame show last night. I forgot what we were doing. I'm looking up at the TV and seeing Russell Wilson complete that Hail Mary to Brandon Johnson. I couldn't believe it. The two-point attempt to tie it failed. Broncos two points short. Washington comes back from 21-3 to down, and hey, I don't think it needs to be said, but I'll say it anyway. You're Sean Payton. You want to waltz into town and trash the previous regime in Denver and talk about all the things that they did wrong. You know what? You ain't looking so good right now, my friend, off to an 0-2 start. Granted, Broncos have lost two games by a total of three points. Washington has won two games by a total of six points. They all count just the same. Sometimes winning the close ones is the difference between having a good season, not having a good season. Broncos offense stalled too many times in the second half. Two blown second half leads for Sean Payton to begin his tenure as the Broncos head coach. Chase Young, by the way, was back with Washington. That defense had seven sacks of Russell Wilson. Niners 30 to 23 over the Rams. They're 2 and 0. Give the Rams credit. They made it interesting, except Sean McVay, who for reasons unknown to anyone but himself, decided to kick a field goal with no time remaining so his team would lose by 7 instead of 10. Thank you very much to everybody who had the Niners minus 7.5 in that one. Uh, Stafford with a couple of second-half INTs were big. And I don't know if you've gobbled them up yet on your fantasy teams for those that actually play along. Puka Nakua, you say, oh, God bless you. No, we're talking about maybe the best receiver in the league for the first two weeks. How about 25 catches for 266 yards? I would say he's filling the Cooper Cup role pretty damn well, if I may say so myself. Give the Rams credit. You know, you don't win Super Bowls by accident. They just continue to churn out talent here, even if they trade away all their high draft choices. And good for them. You know what? Rams will be back up there soon. It's not going to happen this year. But they're a smart organization. You don't win Super Bowls by mistake. Niners are just a better team right now. Shanahan has now won nine in a row in the regular season against Sean McVay. Buffalo back to normal, 38-10 over the Raiders. Raiders scored the first drive of the game down the field for a touchdown. Rest of the way was all Bills. They churned out a buck 83 on the ground. James Cook went over 100 yards. Josh Allen, three touchdowns, no turnovers. A big cry from what we saw against the Jets last Monday night. He was 13-13 to start the game. Seattle bounces back. They go into Detroit and beat the Lions 37-31. Geno bounced back, played well, despite the fact he had one of those Tecmo Bowl sacks where he just, like, kept running backwards for, like, 15 yards like he used to do when you were playing the game to then see how far the ball would go when you just heave it to the end zone. Both offensive tackles were out of the game for the Seahawks, yet they still found a way to win the game. Jared Goff's interception streak 
383 consecutive passes without a pick. That ended yesterday. That was third all-time in the NFL behind two guys named Brady and Rodgers. But too many mistakes for the Lions. Two fumbles, the pick six. Seahawks converted 14 points off of the Lions' miscues. In overtime, the Titans outlast the Chargers 27-24. So here are the Chargers with a head coach that, look, I don't want to see anybody out of work, but I said it back in January. Chargers should have moved on from him then after blowing a 27-point lead in the playoffs. This year they've lost two games, grand total of five points. You know what? They only lost that playoff game by 3-2, but it's what would happen up until that point. I just don't think the Char Chargers are the biggest underachievers in all the NFL. They have been even before this guy was the head coach, Brandon Staley. The talent does not measure up to the results that they've produced out there with that franchise. They were 2-for-5 in the red zone. They were 2-of-14 on third down. They paid Justin Herbert $78 gazillion, and they have nothing to show for it. And how about the brilliant head coach with his analytics and his cutting edge and his statistical analysis and all that stuff? How about punting? Fourth and one at the Tennessee 44-yard line. Was that in the binder? Was that on the stat sheet? Was that from the computer? What was that one? I mean, that was taking a page out of the old Todd Bowles uh, playbook, punting in enemy territory on fourth and one. Tannehill was solid for the Titans. The defense was stingy. They win the game. How about Baltimore? Also a 27-24 winner, this time over Cincinnati. Ravens are 2-0. You're seeing Lamar Jackson getting a little bit more comfortable in this new Todd Munkin offense. They had an eight-minute opening drive in the game, which took a lot of air out of the Bengal sales a little bit. The Bengal defense has struggled here. That surprised me more than anything else. And now Joe Burrow is limping around with that calf injury. Zach Taylor today said that he's iffy to play next Monday night against the Rams. We'll see how that goes. But the Bengals are 0-2 again for the fourth time in the last five years. The Bengals start 0-2. We'll see if they can climb out of this one, especially now with the quarterback hurt. Not the way you want to start it. The other big one yesterday, Casey and Jacksonville. Chiefs are in the win column. They outlast the Jags 17-9. And congrats to Patrick Mahomes, by the way. I don't know if you guys saw this. Earlier today, the Chiefs restructured his contract. He only is going to get $210 million over the next four years, guaranteed. So what happens in this league when one quarterback signs an extension and becomes the highest paid, that lasts for about five minutes. Then somebody else takes that trophy, and it's Patrick Mahomes who is the best player in the NFL. But the Chiefs were slow out of the gates. They turned it over three times in the first half yesterday. They committed 12 penalties, five of them against Jawan Taylor. Finally, 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 the NFL officials, after watching that Thursday night opener, saw that the Chiefs' right tackle was basically lining up offsides on every damn play. Five flags for him yesterday, and hey, Chris Jones lining up in the middle of that Chiefs defensive line. You see the impact he makes for them. He was huge yesterday. Jags couldn't get really anything going offensively. They lose it 17-9. Those were the big ones from week two around the National Football League. 800-919-3776. We take our final break. We come back and close it out with you on the phones before we hand it off to Gordon and Larry. Grass's show on this Overreaction Monday, 98.7 ESPN. Puka Nakua. Oh, God bless you. 